listening to WETF South Bend, Indiana, the jazz station, and this is the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark, and uh, hope you're enjoying a week of good jazz. We focus on some narrower elements of jazz history here on this program, and uh, today I'm picking for my text two albums that were made for Atlantic in the 1950s, and they both fall under the generalized heading of Dixieland jazz, which is a term uh, people are trying to get away from these days in favor of maybe traditional jazz or what have you. Uh, some people call it New Orleans jazz, but in some ways I think this program might uh, show you why that that term is not uh, necessarily a universal for the style of music. So these two albums were made with uh, entirely different personnels, and they were made uh, largely in different styles. Uh, one is a self-consciously New Orleans album, uh, featuring, as it did, almost entirely New Orleans musicians, and the other is uh, more along the lines of Chicago jazz, the second generation of jazz that was developed in the 1920s on the shoulders of some of the early New Orleans pioneers. So we started out with a tune called the Bugle Boy March, and Bugle Boy March, uh, I think, was originally known as the American Soldier, and the band we heard doing that was Paul Barbron and his New Orleans Jazz, and the personnel on that, uh, which we will be hearing interspersed throughout this program, is John Brunius on trumpet, Bob Thomas on trombone, Willie Humphreys on clarinet, Lester Santiago on piano, Danny Barker on banjo, Paul Barbron on drums, and the one outlier, Milt Hinton on bass. Milt Hinton was not from New Orleans, but he was, of course, a, uh, an excellent jazz bassist whose uh, career had gone back to the 1920s in Chicago. These are all African-American musicians, uh, again, without... Uh, uh, Milt Hinton, they had all been raised in New Orleans. Some of them had stayed there pretty much their whole career. For example, William hum Willie Humphreys and Bob Thomas and Lester Santiago. Uh, Danny Barker uh, was one of the younger players in the band. He had uh, left to go to New York and had played with a number of very fine bands in the 1930s, uh, most notably Cab Calloway's band. He was with him by about 1937 and stayed with the Calloway band into the 1940s, which is where, by the way, he met Milt Hinton, and they formed quite a nice rhythm team. Paul Barbron had come to Chicago in 1917, uh, later went to New York, uh, played with the Louis Russell and the Louis Armstrong bands. We'll talk about his career a little bit later. And uh, even Willie Humphreys had left uh, New Orleans briefly to go to Chicago in 1919 and did a very short tour to New York in the mid-1930s. So as I said, that first tune was called the Bugle Boy March, and that was recorded in 1955. Um, it was a, uh, released on Atlantic 1215 uh, as part of their, I guess, uh, historical series. The uh, notes on the album were by George Hofer and Neshwe Ertegen, who uh, produced the session. Oh, I believe he also produced uh, the session that we heard that produced the second tune. And that was a tune called Liza, not the George Gershwin Liza, but written in this case by Eddie Condon, who in fact led the band. And this Chicago band was primarily of white musicians who were active in Chicago in the 1920s. And we heard uh, Max Kaminsky on trumpet. He was from Boston, but he had done some work in Chicago in the 20s. Cuddy Cutshaw on trombone, Pee Wee Russell on clarinet, Bud Freeman on tenor sax, Dick Carey on piano, uh, Leonard Gaskin on bass, and George Wetling on drums. And... Um, Condon, Wetling, and uh, uh, Freeman were, of course, all uh, active in uh, Chicago making recordings and so forth in the 1920s. Pee Wee Russell and uh, Max Kaminsky came a little bit later, uh, and then some of the younger musicians, such as Dick Carey and Cuddy Cutshaw, became intimates of the Eddie Condon orbit uh, later on in the 1930s and 40s. 
So that gives you a little bit of a, a, a clue on how this program is going to go. I should mention that Condon album was recorded in 1959. Uh, it was released uh, on the 20th anniversary of one of the first jazz uh, collections or jazz concept albums, George Avakian's uh, Salute to Chicago Jazz, uh, which came out on Decca in 1939. And he followed it up a little bit later with New Orleans and Kansas City. But the Chicago one was the first. And a couple of these performers, Condon, Kaminsky, uh, Russell and Freeman, all and Wetling for that matter, all played on that series. In fact, George Wetling led a band uh, that recorded a number of sides uh, as well. So we're going to move on and kind of go back and forth uh, a couple of tunes at a time with the, these two groups. We're going to uh, start the next set with the Eddie Condon group, and we're going to hear a tune called Love is Just Around the Corner, and uh, this was a standard that uh, they did not record in the 1920s. They did, in fact, record it on the first recording session done for Commodore Records in 1938. I believe this was the first tune uh, that was cut that day and the first tune issued on Commodore Records, and it was a feature for Pee Wee Russell at the time, and it is here as well. And we're going to hear uh, some of Pee Wee's excellent uh, late period playing. He was, uh, uh, at the time, kind of moving away from the idea of Dixieland and Chicago jazz. He was a mainstream player. He uh, did some very unusual recordings with Thelonious Monk and uh, Marshall Brown. He recorded some Ornette Coleman tunes. He was always kind of a searching musician. But here, he returned to his swing roots, at any rate, and creates some really superb playing. After that, we're going to hear the uh, old Chicago standard, Someday Sweetheart, which is credited to Jelly Roll Morton. So we're going to go from that uh, Someday Sweetheart to another Someday Sweetheart, this one done by Paul Barbron and his uh, New Orleans jazz band. And this particular recording was based on the arrangement that King Oliver recorded uh, with his Dixie Syncopators featuring Johnny Dodds in 1926. Uh, it also had been recorded by his Creole jazz band with Louis Armstrong back in 1923, but it was one of the couple of titles that that band recorded that was never released and presumably was uh, destroyed. It was never found, we've never heard it, but we understand from... Uh, several uh, accounts at the time that it's the same arrangement that Oliver later used in the Dixie Syncopators and that the Paul Barbern Band will recreate here. Then we're going to finish up with a, a spiritual uh, done sort of mid to upper tempo by Paul Barbern. It's called We Shall Walk Through the Streets of the City, also known as Walking Through the Streets of the City. And it takes uh, as its melody the old folk song Red River Valley. Some differences, but mostly the same. So we're going to hear both of those bands right now. We're going to hear Eddie Condon and his uh, Chicagoans, uh, was uh, the name of the band uh, as it was released, doing Love is Just Around the Corner and Someday Sweetheart. And then Paul Barbron and his New Orleans jazz band doing Someday Sweetheart and Walking Through the Streets of the City.
So that uh, gives us a good indication of, of two different bands uh, playing in a very different style from each other. Uh, we use the catch-all phrase Dixieland a lot of times to cover a lot of sub-styles as well. But these two uh, groups of musicians uh, came from the same source, though that early New Orleans collectively improvised music that we know as the first elements of jazz. So going backwards this time, we had Walking Through the Streets of the City and Someday Sweetheart, done by Paul Barbin's jazz, uh, New Orleans Jazz Band. John Brunius was the trumpet player. He was quite young at the time. He was born uh, in 1920. He was uh, early on kind of a prodigy trumpet player in New Orleans. He got a scholarship to Juilliard, uh, was very well educated musically. He uh, played with several big bands, I think Lucky Millinder and some other ones, uh, before ill health made him return to New Orleans in the late 40s, and he started playing with some of the local uh, traditional jazz, New Orleans jazz bands, including Paul Barbarin's, and he stayed with Barbarin for a number of years. Uh, he passed away in the 1970s of uh, a variety of illnesses. Bob Thomas on trombone was one of the oldest musicians. In fact, I believe he was the oldest musician we're hearing today. Uh, he had been active in New Orleans in the 1910s. Uh, he had done parades and uh, different minstrel tours and so forth, and he ended up recording quite frequently towards the end of his life with Barber and also with George Lewis. And he was an exponent of that early style of tailgate trombone playing. He, uh, according to the notes on the album, likened his own playing, once he heard it on this record, that of Jack Carey. Papa Jack Carey was brother of Mutt Carey, the cornet player, and he was a player who was active in the early 1900s and was one of the first players, I guess, to popularize, popularize Tiger Egg. Willie Humphrey, or sometimes known as Humphreys, on clarinet, was also a fairly old musician at the time, although he had a very long life. He was born in 1901. He lived until 1994 or so. He was a key member of the Preservation Hall Jazz Bands from the mid-1960s until he died. He was a very uh, accomplished musician. He came from a musical family. Uh, his brother, Percy, was a trumpet player. Uh, his other brother, Earl, was a trombone player, and their father uh, was a music teacher as well, so he got a good grounding. He did not leave New Orleans uh, except for a brief trip to Chicago in 1919. There's a picture of him playing with King Oliver in the uh, stands during the 1919 uh, Black Sox World Series. And then he went to uh, New York in the mid-1930s and played very briefly with the Mills Blue Rhythm Band and recorded with them and with uh, Red Allen's small group before returning to New Orleans and staying there more or less the rest of his life, except for tours with the Preservation Hall Band. Lester Santiago was a piano player who was born about 1909 or so. He uh, did almost all of his work in New Orleans as well. He was known as Blackie and was a member of a musical family as well. His uh, brother Willie Santiago was also a well-known piano player. As I mentioned, Danny Barker was quite a young player at the time. He uh, was born, I think, in the late 1910s. He was known as a swing musician in New York, playing guitar. His wife, Blue Lou Barker, was a blues singer. They made quite a few recordings on their own. Uh, he returned to banjo when he came back to New Orleans to play with these traditional groups, and he became quite well-known as an educator and as a mentor for younger musicians. The leader, of course, was Paul Barbarin. He was born in 1901. He uh, grew up playing a lot of uh, drums with different bands in New Orleans. He was one of the first uh, black New Orleans musicians to head to Chicago, 1917. In fact, when King Oliver uh, came the next year, he started playing with Barbarin's band, and ultimately Barbarin joined Oliver, replacing Baby Dodds in 1924, and uh, did many of those, or most of those, Dixie uh, Syncopators recordings through the late 1920s, coming to New York with him uh, as 
as well in about 1928. Uh, after the Oliver Band broke up, he joined some of his New Orleans compatriots like Louis Russell and uh, Albert Nicholas and Red Allen, uh, with the and Pops Foster too, for that matter, with the Louis Russell Band, which made many great and uh, influential recordings in the 1920s before uh, becoming the, the backing band for Louis Armstrong in the late 20s and then again in the mid-30s. And Barbarin returned to New Orleans, I think, in the late 40s and pretty much stayed the rest of his career there. So we started out that set with the Eddie Condon Band. I'll tell you a little bit more about them after the next set. We heard Love is Just Around the Corner, which of course featured Pee Wee Russell on a couple of choruses. Also some excellent Bud Freeman uh, and Max Kaminsky. Max Kaminsky was not known as a trumpet soloist. He was a great lead player. But on this album, he was he must have had some uh, interesting uh, juice to, to, to get him started because he, he was playing well above his usual level, which was quite high to begin with. Uh, we then heard Someday Sweetheart, which, uh, as I said, was a, a, a tune by Jelly Roll Morton from Chicago in the 1920s, and then a very different version, although also slow, by the Barburn Band. And then we finished up with Walking Through the Streets of the City by Paul Barburn. We're going to hear two more tunes by Eddie Condon coming up next. We're going to hear a, uh, a dance tune from about 1916 or so, Shimmy Shawabble by Spencer Williams, who was a New Orleans composer. This is a tune that was recorded in the 20s by several Chicago bands and uh, several bands in the 30s, including Bud Freeman's Summa Cum Laude Band, which was uh, a frequently recorded group, including many of the people we're hearing here, in 1939 and 40. And after Shimmy Shawabble, we're going to hear a blues theme, to Eddie Condon called the Friars Point Shuffle, and listen especially for Max Kaminsky on that side. Then we're going to finish up with a, uh, a parade tune by Paul Barbarin's band. This is a sounds like a march, but it's actually a spiritual, and it's called Sing On, and we'll get some wonderful um, elements of uh, collective improvisation here, as well as some very fine solos by the rhythm section. We have a piano and a banjo solo that seem to go on simultaneously. Also clarinet and some very forthright trombone playing by Bob Thomas. So those are our three sides that will be this uh, uh, set and uh, these tunes go on a little bit longer than the average 78. This was of course during the LP era so these bands were allowed to just keep going and play as if they were on a job so we get to hear them stretch out a little bit more. So Eddie Condon's band Shimmy Shawabble and Friars Point Shuffle and Paul Barbarin's New Orleans jazz band Sing On. <laughs> Thank you. 
So those recordings point up the similarities and differences of these two styles. The Chicago band, led by Eddie Condon, was featured more or, or focused more on the solos, I guess, and also reflected a, a more urgent sense of time. Uh, the beat was a little more agitated, things were a little more on top of the beat and, and, and pushed uh, a little harder. And that was reflective of some of the dance uh, conventions that uh, had been uh, active at the time those musicians were coming up in the 20s and the 1930s. The New Orleans band, led by Paul Barber, on the other hand, was more relaxed, and even though the tempos might have been the same or quicker, they seemed to be slower because the musicians were playing more uh, behind the beat in some ways or just uh, around the beats. They didn't seem to be a great deal of, uh, of urgency, I suppose. And also, the New Orleans bands tended to do more ensemble playing and feature uh, the instruments playing all together at the same time, rather than allowing one to step out for a while and then to uh, have him replaced with another one and so forth. And that was a a big difference between the earlier New Orleans uh, school of Dixieland jazz and then the Chicago style after that, or traditional jazz if you prefer. So we started out with Shimmy Shawaddle by uh, the Eddie Condon group, that Spencer Williams tune. That was really a feature for Bud Freeman, who took multiple choruses. And Freeman, uh, by 1959, was trying to distance himself from the uh, Eddie Condon and Dixieland school, much as Pee Wee Russell uh, was doing at the same time. Freeman uh, really saw himself as a jazz musician uh, with out limitations. He had studied for a while anyway in the 40s with Lenny Tristano uh, doing improvisational studies. Uh, he was a wonderful melodic player but he had a very uh, specific style and a very specific uh, sound all his own. You didn't mistake anybody for Bud Freeman. Then we heard the Friars Point Shuffle which as I said featured uh, a lot of players but Max Kaminsky to me really took honors on that track. As I said, he was known as a lead player. Eddie Condon said he was his favorite uh, trumpet player to play in a in a band like this, to play the melodies. Uh, he could play a very clean lead to any song. Uh, it swung and it didn't get in the way of the other musicians. And typically in a Chicago band, you had more active players uh, playing more notes. And sometimes you had a fourth uh, member of the front line, as we do here with Bud Freeman. And uh, Kaminsky had a way of, of just intuiting what to play and what not to play. But on this uh, session, his solos and his lead uh, choruses on the way out in uh, Friars Point Shuffle were really exciting, almost in the Louis Armstrong tradition. And uh, Kaminsky was always a big uh, devotee of Louis, even though he said that uh, early in his life, Bix Beiderbeck was his model. So then we finished up with Sing On, that uh, gospel tune, spiritual really, that was done in march tempo. That was a tune that might have been heard at, uh, on the way back from the, uh, the, the graveyard and some of the New Orleans funeral processions that uh, have uh, existed in, in song and story over the years. And we heard uh, that difference that I mentioned, more ensemble, some solos, but more ensemble and a lot more laid back playing, even though they generated a full head of steam by the end of that recording. So we have time for a couple more here. We're going to listen to uh, Sister Kate, the Paul Barber recording. This was done uh, um, composed by Armand Perone, a great New Orleans composer and violinist, had a wonderful band in the 1920s and 30s, and uh, he may have taken this, appropriated it, if you will, from Louis Armstrong or Kid Ory, who both claimed ownership of it, but we will hear the Paul Barber version of Sister Kate, ending up with There'll Be Some Changes Made, one of the great Chicago anthems of the 1920s, and uh, this is a, a fiery recording by Eddie Condon featuring a, a surprise and very effective key change at the end. So you've been listening to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. We are on WETF, South Bend, Indiana, the Jazz Station. Hope you enjoyed this program and make a habit of visiting us every week.
Thank you.